0: Hello, and welcome to the Kingdom Corner Podcast, where you can propel your faith into even deeper levels as we discuss how to live the Kingdom culture on earth as it is in heaven, just as Jesus prayed. Here's your host, the great Matt Guybe. Say, Kingdom Corner Podcast devotees and followers, just an FYI here, I just wanted to let you know that each and every show. Uh, for the most part, where I'm teaching. And I refer to notes that you can get uh, for this podcasts. Uh, they would be in the show notes. Just refer to the show notes. Thank you. Good day, good day. Kingdom Corner podcast devotees and followers. The great Matt Guybe is just excited to be with you once again. I see we're we're kind of coming toward the end of July already, the last week of July, and we're progressing through the chapters of Philippians. We're almost through the third chapter, and I just wanted to uh, stop in here and say I'm going to take you once again into this class that I taught just a year ago, and this class is going to be Pressing Toward the Prize, Philippians three twelve to 21, Pressing Toward the Prize. And this is the great trifecta. I just want to say something about this chapter. Uh, I'm going to take you into this class that I taught last summer at this time in the King's Company Coaching School that I've, I'm i so happy. I am proud to have been a part of this for the last three years, um, teaching and coaching. And I didn't want to reinvent the wheel because I felt like last year's lesson, last year's um, audio was so good that I'd take you into that. And we're just coming down on the trifecta. This may be uh, of Paul's teaching and um, expounding of the gospel in the epistles. This has to rank up there with, with some of the best writing and the best teaching uh, and the best revelations he had. Um, and, you know, all throughout chapter 3, we first talked about leaving our baggage behind, forgetting the past. Uh, chapter 3, 1 to 7. Then last time, last week, we talked about passionate living, that I might know him. We leave the past behind, and then we 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 press into knowing him. And then the next thing we want to do is what we're going to go into today in this wonderful class. Uh, chapter 3, 12 to 21, Pressing Towards the Prize, which is just uh, the picture of a of a marathon runner like I said I think Paul was an athlete maybe and also he loved I think he loved athletics he probably went and saw the Olympic Games he definitely seen some running maybe he was a runner himself pressing toward the prize you know like a race like a Christian Christians um in a metaphor compared to running a race is the Christian life is what he's getting to. So sit back and listen and enjoy, take notes, uh, pressing toward the prize. Be blessed. The great Matt Guy here with you once again. And we are continuing our journey in the book of Philippians today. Uh, Philippians chapter 3, to be exact, Christ our goal or Christ our aim so uh, with that, let's, let's just open with a bit of prayer because I, I believe there's some real special things in here today for us to, and that God would enlighten us and would um, just really want to uh, do a new work because this is a new season. Father, we just pray right now in Jesus' name that you would take these words, that you would highlight those things in your holy scriptures that you just want to enlighten people with, that you want to encourage them with, that you want to convict them with, that you want to just use to love them with and encourage them and uh, be the father in their lives that they need, to be Abba, to be that one they can go to. Lord, take these words. Lord, we are in a race, and Lord, uh, it's a long race at times. It has its ups and downs, and encourage us, Lord. Strengthen us as we race toward the prize of the high call, the upward call in you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Hello, everyone that's here, Laura and Carrie and Nicole. I see you uh, in my feed here. I'm glad to have you here. Uh, welcome to anyone that listens, as I always say, today, tomorrow, or in the future. And we are once again in uh, Philippians 3. We're going through the book of Philippians. We're in the middle of the chapter, and... We're going to read verses 12 to 21, and that will be our text that we attempt to finish out today so we can finish out this chapter. Chapter uh, 3, verse 12, not that I had already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Jesus Christ has laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Verse 15, Therefore let us, as many as are mature, have this mind, and if anything You think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be the same mind. Brethren, join in following my example, and note those who walk, so you have us for a pattern. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. "...whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working which he is able even to subdue all things to himself." Philippians 3:12 to 21. I've titled this lesson, Pressing Towards the Prize. Pressing Towards the Prize. Chapter 3, the theme uh, we've said before was Christ our goal. Christ our goal. Well Let's go through this. I've kind of outlined this a little bit. The Christian life shown in a metaphor of an Olympic marathon race. And I Never been a great racer, but in high school, I would say that I was in cross country for about three years, so I know a little bit about it. Um, I wasn't too good when I started, uh, but as we go on, and you'll see this in the lesson, through great persistence and patience, uh, I became a little better than average at cross country racing, and we'll get into that a little bit, because it does uh, it's a good metaphor for what this passage is about. Uh, and I broke this down into like five t- uh, uh, outline here, five t- um, titles here that we can look into. Pursuing the prize, uh, verses 12 to 13. Number two, a good runner never looks back. Uh, three, uh, chapter three, verse 13. This race is the kind of race; it's a marathon race. Uh, number three, that requires stamina and consistency. Number four, sadly some have dropped out of the race. Number five, knowing our citizenship will cause us to reach the goal or to win the prize. So those are the five um, kind of titles there, uh, um, topics that I really want to dive into in this lesson. Again, the notes uh, the notes you can get in the section where it says files, I think I put that in the, uh, before I started here to let you know that I've uploaded notes. Um, That's what I read from. I read from the notes, and sometimes I go from there and uh, get off into a few things. But I I pretty much stick to the notes because um, I think I spend a lot of time with uh, studying this and praying about it. And I think um, God touches on things, and then I want to put them—I like to put them in writing. That's just kind of the way I am, and then maybe you can have them, and you can make notes on them. So, pursuing the prize— Verses 12 to 13, I remembered an old saying here when I looked at this, the measure of a person's desire is the pursuit. The measure of a person's desire is the pursuit. I could get off on that and just start preaching on that. What is your desire like today? What is your pursuit like today in following after Christ? Uh, How is that going for you? Are you distracted with the cares of this world, the things of this life? We can tell a lot about a person's spiritual condition by the pursuit of Christ that we see in their life, can we not? And not that I have already attained, Paul says, or already imperfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. What a powerful verse, what a powerful scripture. A good way of saying that, J.B. Phillips said, is grasping ever more firmly that purpose for which Christ grasped me. Are you grasping that? Are you reaching for that today? Press on, uh, it says, press on in this passage. But I press on, Paul said. The Greek connotation means an urgent chasing after towards a fixed goal or point. Yes. A measure of a person's desire is is how passionately they're pressing on, they're pursuing. How are we doing with that today? I just ask you the question. I ask myself the question, you know, because sometimes I get distracted. You know, I'm in this park where I take my dog and you're not supposed to, but sometimes I let him run. And he's very good to come back to me, but sometimes he gets distracted from our walk, you know, and I have to go after him. You know, are you distracted today or are you on point following after the goal, following after the prize? This is in the continuous present tense. I'm doing this now. I'm doing this right now. I'm I'm intense after it now, today, regardless of my feelings, regardless. Sometimes I get tired. That's when I have challenges, when I'm tired. Um, and, and I'm doing this now. How about you? Uh, it's a continuous Pressing on towards that goal now, not tomorrow, not in the future, but now. That I may lay hold of him. The idea here is Paul is not just satisfied with the pursuit. Some people just love to race, love. It's like my dog loves to run around out here, you know. But he he won't be satisfied until he has laid hold of, apprehended or grasped, taken a hold of the purpose Christ has intended for him. And then I have some scriptures down here, cross-references. I always love cross-references. But these just show us that this is not going to be accomplished in our flesh. You know, we can't do it in our flesh. We have to apply the Spirit to our lives. Are you so foolish, Galatians 3.3, 3, having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? We can never run after God, even though we might want to and have that desire and sometimes... I think we misunderstand, especially when we're new Christians. It's not a fleshly thing. It's not in our own strength. Is uh, so we're going on pursuing the prize. We're still on this uh, number one uh, that I may lay hold of. I'm on page two of my notes. That for which Christ has laid hold of me, and of course we're. I think he's referring to. I believe he's referring to God. Certainly laid a hold of him. Christ laid hold of him on that Damascus road, did he not? When he's knocked off his donkey. That's when he had that encounter, uh, that changed his life, that changed the whole trajectory as, uh, of it were, as it were, of his life. Mm, mm, I want that kind of encounter that changes the trajectory of, well, I, I think I'm on a good trajectory now, but maybe God has something more for me. You know, maybe God has something more for you. You know, we want that kind of an encounter. That I may lay hold of him for that which Christ has lay, laid hold of me. I see two things here. Um, and then we'll, first I want to read this cross-reference. We'll probably read it again. Know you not, they which run in a race run all, but one receives the prize. So run that you might obtain. Two things here. And the second thing is predicated by the first thing. Paul knew a whole lot. He was the Michael Jordan of the Pharisees, he might have been the next high priest. He knew the 613 or 30 laws of the Talmud, backward and forward, right? He had a lot of knowledge, but he didn't really, and he felt like he knew God. He was even persecuting uh, Christians, was there when Stephen was martyred, thought he was doing the works of God, and yet he didn't really know God. He didn't really know the, the Father, didn't really know him. Till he met Jesus on the Damascus Road, right? And then the whole trajectory of his life changed. Two things about being laid hold of. Uh, first of all, uh, number two of on this of my two things here is predicated on number one. Number one, as we've talked about last time, Philippians 3:10, that I may know Him, that I may experience Him, that I may fully come to know Him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Paul wanted to have a, an experiential knowledge of him, not just all the knowledge he held in his mind. And that these two things that Christ laid hold of him for, one was to have relationship with him, and then out of that would flow the second thing was Paul's calling. I've got quite a um, detailed scripture here from Ephesians. It's such a beautiful scripture. I've studied this again and again. Paul's calling was to reveal the mystery uh, of the gospel that began when Jesus Christ, you would say, the mystery began to be unfolded when Jesus Christ was crucified and, and rose from the grave. The gospel age was opened. This was the mystery. This had been a mystery. It was a mysterion. I'm in my notes, page 2. Uh, derived from a word meaning to shut the mouth, a secret counsel or purpose of understanding, something that had been hidden from men, only coming from d- divine revelation. Paul's great calling, great, you know, that God, that Jesus Christ laid hold of him for, besides a relationship with him, out of that was to be the great Gentile apostle, to begin to really open up what this mystery of the gospel was. Oh, I, I just love this scripture and, uh, I guess this takes us off on a rabbit trail, but I would ask he had an apostolic encounter or an apostolic calling, I should say. But in order to have that calling, he had to have an apostolic encounter. There are many of you in this school today. You have a calling on your life. Might be apostolic, might be prophetic, might be a teacher like me, uh, might might be uh, the other ones. What are they? Pastor and uh I have to go through them. Evangelist. But in order to fill that calling, you better have an encounter. Paul had an apostolic calling, but he first had to have an apostolic encounter. God wants you to encounter him. We were talking last night with Pastor Justin and and Coach CJ about all things being new, that this was the season with the feast, I guess it was, of trumpets or tabernacles, that ushered in new things? Is there something new that God is doing in your life? It, it, are you encountering him in, in a new way? And he's calling you to something. You've got to have that encounter, right? You can read that scripture about the Mysterion, about the mystery. Um, God wants to use many of us here. This is an unfolding mystery. Uh, it's it's not done yet until heaven and earth you know, are new again, and we have a hev- new heaven and earth, uh, the mystery is always unfolding of the gospel, of the deeper revelations. And God wants to use many of you to bring new truths, to bring, uh, you know, not something way out there, but based on what is in the word of God, new uh, ways of looking at things that will set people free, that will help them encounter God. That's page two of the notes. And I'm still point number one, pursuing the prize. Uh, Count, let's look at that word. I do not count is to this page three of my notes. Uh, I do not count myself to have is to reckon, account, suppose. And then I highlighted this phrase. Consider after deliberate and careful thought. Are you really counting uh, what God wants from you? Are you spending time with him? Am I spending time with him going over that? Paul realizes he has not attained perfection. Um, yet some were haughty at the Church of Philippi and thought they had um, reached that point. But Paul is again referring to the present process of pursuit. Verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 8 is a cross-reference. Went over this before. I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. And then uh, we're talking about Counting. Counting myself to have—I don't count myself to have apprehended. Are you counting the cost of what will take to apprehend or be apprehended uh, for the calling that God has for you? A great scripture here, uh, Luke 14, 25 to 33. It's—it's uh, a, it's a great parable. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? Lest that he has laid foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. What king going to war against another does not count whether he can go with uh, go against the other one with ten thousand, I'm paraphrasing, or twenty thousand, uh, else while the other is a great way off, he sends a delegation and conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you do not forsake all that he can- has cannot be my disciple. Uh, boy, I remember from my own life, you know, my father. I'm out here in the Pacific Northwest, and my father lived for twenty or 30, 20, 25 years in uh, South Carolina on the border between South Carolina and, uh, and Georgia. And we would go down there and I loved the South. We almost moved down there. It's just beautiful country down there. I love the history of it. And just, we'd go on many drives and see many things. We went to Charleston and um, Savannah and other cities down there. And I remember one time we were driving out way out in this one country area. I think it was, um, it was in South Carolina and we came upon this great, great big estate. But it was like in process of being, it looked like somebody had started to build a great big mansion, you know, really huge, but there were weeds all around it growing up. It was halfway built. And I said, Dad, what is that? And he says, do you know, um, maybe some of you know him, but I mean, I remember him. He was in the Super Bowl. Gerald Perry was a defensive player for the Chicago Bears. You know, uh, they called him Refrigerator Perry, Uh, kind of a funny guy, nice guy. But he, uh, as much money as he got uh, in his pro career, he didn't manage his money very carefully and went broke. And he was in the process of building this great estate, but wasn't able to finish it. You know, isn't that a shame? And I wonder how many of us are, when we start to go on with Christ, are we counting the cost? Are we going to have enough, um, you know, in our tank to finish? Um, apprehended. Uh, again, like we read before, I keep on grasping ever more firmly that purpose which Christ grasps me. Uh, J.B. Phillips, I love that translation. Are you grasping ever more firmly? There's, there's a sermon right there, right? Uh, Job 17.9, the righteous will lay, will hold to his way, and he who has clean hands will be stronger and stronger. Are you getting stronger and stronger in the race? We're talking about counting the cost. We're talking about deliberate consideration. We're talking about a race, but it's not a uh, it's not a hundred yard dash. It's a marathon, and we need we need to just count the cost, and we need to plot apply ourselves every day. Uh, Proverbs 4:18. I love this verse. The path of the just is like the shining sun, that shines ever brighter under the perfect day. Amen. First Timothy 6:12. Paul exhorts his young protégé, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold of eternal life. You're not going to lay hold of the things of God or apprehend what God wants to apprehend you for by having a passive mindset, by just sitting in a pew somewhere, by letting somebody else tell you what... I mean, sometimes you need guidance in your life, don't get me wrong, but Christianity is not a passive thing. Christianity, I would say... And a relationship with God is a contact sport. You know, you're not going to just, you know, sit there. Sometimes you need to and wait and listen for Him. I'm not totally against that, but it really is—it really is a proactive relationship we have with the Father. Um, now we're on the second point. Finally, a good runner never looks back. Verses 13 and 14. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things ahead. Uh, one, But one thing, that's what he starts out with. One thing, what is the one thing? I do, it's not in the in the original language. He just says, but one thing. What is that one thing? What is that one thing that you need to do? Uh, again, I'm reminded of, of an old movie, City Slickers. <laughs> they were always going out on this great... Um, adventure, vacation, a lot of people to uh, learn what it would be like to maybe run a ranch as a cowboy. And like the old cowboy said, all these people think that this is going to, they're going to find themselves out here, uh, but they don't know that one thing. Do you know that one thing, you know? Uh, I'm I'm reminded again when I think of the one thing of Mary and Martha. Jesus said to... uh, was, you know, to Martha, she was busy about many things, I think it says there in Luke 10. And then Jesus said, you know, you know, he said, you worry too much, you're too anxious. Martha, Martha, look at Mary, she has chosen that one good thing, you know. I mean, sometimes that one thing really is, you know, and I ho- hope I'm not confusing you. You know, we get so, uh, at least I do sometimes, about all the things I have to do, and I'm not gonna get these things done or what I'm not gonna to get to this or that. Even this Bible study I have to put together, I'm not gonna have time to do it with my busy life. And yet if I just spend time with him and do the one thing, it seems my time and my schedule work out. You know. I don't always know how that works. But there's uh that's something we, we need to keep in mind. One thing, what is your one thing? It's Christian conduct and purpose in the now. The Greek implies limiting and isolating oneself to a fanatical focus. That's the one thing here. One thing. What's he doing that's one thing? He has gone from contemplation, that is we talked about counting the cost, to an all-out mode of action. That's the one thing. And part of that is forgetting those things which are behind. This is just such another thing that we could preach on today forgetting completely forgetting that is to neglect emphatically forget and neglect obliterate the memory as it were the good things and the bad things we cannot uh, live in the past we always got to be moving forward here Paul in this metaphor about a runner in a race is referring to that runner not looking back at all if any of you have been in a race you know what what that's about, that if you, especially in a short-distance race, you're going to lose time if you're looking over your shoulder and not just being insanely focused ahead, right? Not looking back at all, not paying a bit of attention to what others are doing in the race. A very good picture of our Christian walk, our Christian race. Just like a racer impedes his progress with this distraction, so we will be hindered in our progress for the prize, if we we're looking at our past sin, shame, and failures. Where are you today? Are you looking in the past? Are you living in the past? We talked about that last night, that this was a new season. God wanted to do something new. And that in order to do that, we have to forget the past. Lay it aside. Jesus said unto him, No one, and I'm Luke nine sixty two, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. And then I put down here, Genesis 19.26 is a reference to Lot's wife who looked back when they were leaving Sodom and Gomorrah and was turned into a pillar of salt. Are you looking back? Are you living more in the past than the future? I think probably not, or you wouldn't be in the King's Company school. I think there's a lot of forward-looking people here. Uh, Another story from my personal life. Uh, when I was a boy I was brought up in uh, Ohio that's where I was raised till I was about 18 years old and a lot of times in the summer I'd go three hours south of where we lived to a a small 40 acre farm that my aunt and uncle owned and and farmed for a living and my uncle taught me when I was nine or ten years old how to plow a field with a tractor and I was so excited about that and then After spending quite a bit of time with me, he took the tractor and we went over to this really smaller field where he was actually going to plant a garden. He wanted that plowed and he said, I've taught you how to plow. Now I want you to plow this up for me and I'll be back in about an hour to see how it is. And so I began to plow that field but I I was so excited but I wasn't really confident. So what did I do? I kept looking back as I was plowing with that tractor, wondering if I was, you know, plowing correctly. And then I realized I was really messing things up because what the way I was plowing got to be all crooked. Why? Because I wasn't keeping my face, my head out in front, focused ahead. And my uncle came back and he kind of uh, rebuked me a little bit, but he laughed and he said, most, most people learning how to plow a field when they first start, they do that. And he says, now you're learning uh, how not to plow a field. So he spent time with me again, and um, after that summer, I pretty much knew how to plow a field. And one of the main things, like I said, you learn is never to look back. You've got to look straight ahead to make those rows straight. Um, Let us lay aside every weight and sin, Hebrews 12, to 3, which easily ensnares us, um, and run with endurance. Here's another verse. The race that is set before us—it's an endurance endurance race, it's a marathon race—and looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Um, I think Tyler thinks that uh, Luke wrote he wrote Hebrews. I'm not sure. Maybe Paul. A lot of people think Paul, but anyway, still got the same language there. I'm I'm just convinced that Paul—he—he he was kind of a man after my own heart. I'm not so much into it as much as I used to be. Where I had to see every sports event there was, but I'm a bit of a I'm a bit of an uh, uh, you know I like athletics a bit. I like to watch the Olympics a bit. I like to watch a football game now and then. I believe Paul was um, a sports fan, and he may have even been um, you know an amateur athlete himself. You know he may have been a runner. Maybe that's why he wrote about this. You know some of you here I'm sure run. It's never been my thing except like I said. I spent three years in high school in cross country. I really enjoyed that. You run about an eight-mile course up and down all kind of terrain, hills and stuff, in fields. And um, I loved it because it's not just physical, but it uh, it takes a lot, like we talked about, it takes a lot of counting considering how you're going to run. The guy that runs out there and tries to, you know, get way out ahead, in a race like that, you usually can't maintain that. You have to pace yourself. You have to know how to run. You know, and that's part of the Christian running, too, the marathon that we're talking about here. You know, there's an old song that says, not the one that runs the swiftest, but the one who endures to the end. You know, a lot of Christians, they start out running really quickly, and then because they maybe haven't counted the cost or uh, realized everything that's involved, um, they lose that strength and stamina. So that's what we're talking about. Reaching forward. Um, We're talking again about the runner reaching forward with his legs. A stretching forward, a reaching forward in intense athletic motion. um, Comparison to a marathon race. Uh, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I press toward the goal, uh, or mark is another word only used here in the New Testament, literally this phrase. Literally, I pursued down upon the target. I pursue down, I'm focused, I'm fanatically focused on that goal and I'm pursuing on it, I'm pursuing down on it. You know, like a missile hitting a target, like a shooting target, it says here. For the prize, brabion is a Greek word. It actually is derived from an umpire who gives the prize. A prize, something that's deposited, um, like money it could be. Um, I think in the games sometimes they gave a wreath. Um, this, this is used again as a metaphor uh, for spiritual and eternal life, uh, incorruption as it were. Of the upward call, literally of the upward calling, is a call from heaven to heaven. Not so much our earthly call, though I talked a little bit about that today, but our call to eternity. Um, Not our earthly calling. It, It is a call from heaven. It's calling us to heaven. We are not of this world. We're being called to heaven. That's our whole mission and purpose by everything we do, to make, in the end, make heaven our home and to take others with us there, I would say. A good runner never looks back, so we're still on that point. Hebrews 3, 1 and 2, I'm on page 5. Brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling. See, there's a heavenly calling. And then I like this uh, quote. The prize is bound up with the calling, promised when the call is issued. In other words, heaven is promised when the call is made um, and given when the call is fulfilled. And there, there I have that scripture again that ties right in. Do not, know, do you not know that, that those who run in a race run all, but one receives the prize? Run in a way that you might obtain it. Are you running your race in a way that's going to get you to eternity? Um, are you pacing yourself correctly? Uh, Paul said to Timothy, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race. Luke 16:16 16, 16 says... Uh, since that time, the kingdom of God has been preached. Everyone is pressing into it. Are you pressing into the God's kingdom today? I hope so. And then there's some other scriptures you can look up on your own there. Number three, the race requires spiritual stamina and consistency. Again, I said this wasn't a hundred-yard dash that we're in, that's in view here in this metaphor, but a distance race, maybe like cross-country Maybe like I didn't I didn't go look it up, but there's distance races that uh, runners run that were in the Olympics. You know they got to run eight to ten laps. Uh, I remember running cross country. Like I said, there's a lot of um, strategy to that. You have to pace yourself. You have to know in the end. You know just like we have to know. You have to know in the end where you really got to pick it up, and you really got to kind of come into your fifth gear. Really have that high leg kick, have enough energy in the end to give it all you got to finish the race. And I'm saying now, uh, I'm, I don't consider myself a prophet, but I think, you know, I'm hearing in my heart that this is a time not to slack off in the race, but to become strong, because with the things that are ahead, we're going to have to really know how to kick our spiritual walk and our spiritual race into high gear so we finish strongly. Because there's a lot of things going on right now in my, what, 60 uh, uh, years of life that I have never seen before. And I do believe we're in the last days. I don't know what that means. It could be two or three years. It could be 20 years. I'm not going to put a time on it. God hasn't revealed that to me. But I think times are getting serious. So we, we have to get, uh, what would you say, our racer's legs in shape, you know, we have to be aware of that. This is a marathon race. Mature or perfect. Um, we're talking to. The, he's talking to the mature. As many are are mature, complete, perfect, uh, full aged, uh, wanting nothing. There's other scriptures of cross references there. Uh, in some ways, I read this as Paul being a little sarcastic with them, because I think some in the Philippian church thought they'd already arrived. And I think that's very dangerous. I think there's those I have seen in the church, and those that are my peers, that in a way think they've already arrived, and that's a dangerous place to be in. Was Paul being sarcastic? Maybe. Paul was speaking of a total. Uh, Paul was speaking of a total finished perfection in heaven. Here in verse, that was verse twelve. In verse fifteen, he speaks in a relative thought. Uh, uh, though some may have reached maturity, and he includes himself, there is still room for growth and development to be obtained. This speaks of a well-rounded Christian character. The minute you think you've arrived, the minute you think you have it all together, that's when you're going to fall. You know, uh, a mature Christian knows, even if they know they're maturing in the Lord, developing in the Lord and learning uh, the things of God, and moving in his gifts, they know there's still always room for growth and development. Have this mind, he says. In other words, keep thinking like that. That there's always room for me to grow. There's always room for me to learn more. I haven't arrived. And this, this I, I underlined this about three times for me. This is what I want in my life. However, this 1 Corinthians 2.6 six. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, <laughs> yet not the wisdom of this age, nor the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. I want to speak wisdom to people. You know, I think that's one of my callings—to speak wisdom, uh, to speak um, life into people. Um, I've been around a while. Not that ma- that not that that qualifies me as knowing everything, or that I'm so spiritually better than anybody. That's not what I mean. But I'd like to think that I've learned some things over the last 60 years and that I have a wisdom I can impart to others. That's what I want. You know, we speak wisdom among the mature. And I think those that are here today are mature. You're seeking the things of God. And I want to speak wisdom and impart things to you that have helped me along the way. That's my heart. Um... You know, we talk, I've often thought about, we talked about in business, I was a manager for years. I, yeah, that guy thinks he knows so much. He's been with this company for 30 years, but he's only got, what, one year experience 30 times over. He's never really grown. You know, there's a lot of Christians in the church that, that, that way. They've been in the church 10, 20 years, but they got one year of Christian experience and maturity, so to speak. 10 or 20 years over. They haven't really grown. They haven't really matured. They haven't really applied themselves. Um, let's see. If you think otherwise, uh, he says, if in anything you think otherwise. Ephroditus made Paul aware of some in the church who were teaching sinless perfection, that that's what was needed. but That's not what God was was after, you know. Um, I don't think we'll ever reach on this planet, though I've been in groups that taught we would, and I don't think they're right, and I'm not—I'm not putting them down, but in a certain sense. But they thought we could become perfect on this planet. I'm not sure that's going to happen. <laughs> um, dangerous thinking. Pride comes before a fall. I wrote in my notes, um, verse sixteen. Um, we're on, this race requires spiritual stamina and consistency. Verse 16, nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. In other words, keep keeping on in this maturity. Keep growing, keep learning, keep doing the things consistently that you you would do as a mature saint. Brethren, join in following my example. Wow. I, you know, that's another thing. I want to be able to say, and I I hope this doesn't sound proud, you know. and I I think Tyler and Justin and some of the others would say the same thing. They want you to be able to look at them and follow their example. I want my life to exude Christ in such a way, the way I uh, interact with people and the way I teach, that people would say, boy, I want to be like that, Matt. I want to be like him. Not that I'm anybody perfect. I want to be like him because he's like Christ, right? Uh, Note those who walk as you have us for a, f- a pattern. Paul said, be imitators of me. And he re- reiterates this in, on, in these, there's like three verses here. It says the same thing. 1 Corinthians 4, 16. 1 Corinthians 11, 1. it says the same thing. Be imitators of me. He wasn't afraid to put that out there. Um, let's see. The word note here, note those that are this way, means to mark. In other words, fix your attention on them intently. Uh, I'd say pick somebody out, your coach, uh, Pastor Justin Blair, Apostle Tyler Frick. And I'm not trying to lift them up. and, And fix your attention on them if you're a newer Christian and see how they do things. And, you know, I've been around here for three years, and I've walked with God since I was a toddler. I'll be 66 next month. But, you know, I still watch all these people, and I learn from them. Because a lot of times, just like I've been in... Uh, I said spiritual maturity, spiritual age is not necessarily a a number like a numerical age. You know, it should be. I mean, I think, isn't it John, uh, the Beloved, that talks about, you know, he talked to the young men and the more mature men and the older men. I can't remember the scripture. There should be that kind of a, you know, tier in the Christian community where people are maturing. But I'm, I'm so sad because I think a lot of the church... You know, like I said, they have one year of maturity, 30 years over. You know, and that's sad. Um, I love this verse. I put it down here because I think it applies to our lesson today. Let patience have its perfect work, that you may be made perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Isn't that interesting? Patience and becoming perfect and mature. It takes patience. It takes time, right? If any man lacks wisdom... Let him ask God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, it will be given to him. That's another of my prayers. Lord, give me wisdom that I might speak, like I said earlier, wisdom among those who are mature. Give me wisdom, Lord. Um, And I need patience. Even at 66, I sometimes am impatient, for sure. I want to be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. That doesn't mean I'll be sinless. So... Let's see here. We can finish this. Number four, sadly, some have dropped out of the race. And this may have even, if you study this, may have even been some of them who had walked among them. They got deceived. They got, in this point, they got carried away, I would say, by the lust of the flesh. We'll we'll read a passage down there. These are professed Christian Greeks. They had possibly walked in the Philippian church in times past but they fell into Epicurean tendencies. I don't want to go a great deal into that, but it means that uh, an Epicurean's mindset was a person that just was all about satisfying the physical desires, whether it was sex, food, or drink. They, they were all about taking care of their body, you know, that way, about excess in those things. Um, Galatians 5.13, Brethren, you've been called to liberty. Do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. And I think sometimes, um, you know, God's given us a lot of grace, a lot of uh, leeway, and sometimes um, we can get off, you know. It's good to be in shape, and I think there'll be another coach here, hopefully, that she'll agree to it, that she's going to teach some things on uh, health and physical fitness. But she would even say, the one gal I'm thinking of, Corey, that we can get carried away with that. You know, I had a friend when I was younger, that taught me how to lift weights, and I put on some weight and muscle with that, and for a while, that's, you know, that's all he did. He quit going to church so he could lift weights, because he wanted to be a bodybuilder. We can get carried away with different things like that. These people thought lightly of God's grace, the ones that got into Epicureanism. Uh, I want to read this last scripture and close this point out. Some have dropped out of the race. In other words, they lost their focus. They lost a the goal that they were aiming toward. For all that is in the world, 1 John 2, 16, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father but is of the world. Mm. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. Those are all things we can be uh, distracted with, can divert our attention from from that race that we're in to win that prize, that heavenly prize. And finally, number five of my outline, knowing your citizenship will cause you to win the race or the prize. If you can know whose child you are, that you are Abba's champion, that's your Abba's son or daughter, favored son or daughter, and you can keep that in mind, that your calling for that um, will will cause you to win the prize. Our citizenship is in heaven or in the commonwealth, commonwealth of heaven. Uh, commonwealth of which the saints are citizens, is fixed in the heavens. We, we, we walk and we move from the heavenlies, right? And we talked quite a bit about this in chapter 1, uh, toward the end of the, of the chapter there, I think. Eagerly wait. Um, this is an intense yearning and eager anticipation, totally fixed on what one is waiting for. See, there's one sense with this race where we're racing toward a goal, the heavenly calling, uh, the callings that God gives us in this life, but in another one, we're all in the end, our real goal is heaven, and we're in that's what we're really fixed upon. Um, let's see, let's go to the last page. And there's some scriptures here about you know what it will be like when we're in this life, how our bodies will be transformed and changed. Um, I'm not going to go into that, but I'll just conclude. I want to finish up here. One thing that helped me out over the years, I put this over my desk. I have a few things over my desk that I read. Um, and this is one of them. i got two things to share with you, if I can find the other one. thought I'd put it... uh here it is. I wrote this down before I came out here to the park. But here's the first one. I put this in as a conclusion. The race, this race that our Christian lives is compared to, requires patience and persistence I said it was a marathon so years ago I put this up, really learn this I can be impatient and on being persistent uh, I love this I love this definition being persistent that is to obstinately obstinately refuse to give up or let go you know are you refusing to let up or let go of the the goal of the prize Uh, Number two, be insistently repetitive. Uh, And I'm not talking about works here, though there is some Christian discipline needed. There's things that we need to repeat in our Christian walk, day in and day out. Reading the Bible, spending time with the Father. And, you know, if you're in the Christian, if you're in the school, which I'm assuming you are, um, going through your studies, you know, having a habit to do that repetitively, then number three, uh, to commit to being indefinitely continuous. And I'm thinking about maybe people we pray for, uh, people that don't, maybe our family or friends that don't know Jesus. I'm just it's just one example. Never give up on them. Indefinitely show them love. Be continuous to pray for them. Never give up. Being indefinitely continuous, and that's what the Christian walk is, Christian race is, continuous. I'm going to run this race to the end. Nothing's going to throw me off. Nothing's going to take me out of this. You know, there was, again, I draw from my past. I saw in, uh, it's back from the 60s, um, the longest day about the uh, landing of the Allies on at D-Day. And uh, one of the first groups sent in were um, parachute troops. And this was a brutish, British group of paratroopers that were sent in, I think, even in a glider and they captured these bridges and it just didn't seem like and they knew they weren't strong enough to hold on to those bridges forever but they were they were there holding on to the bridges till the rest of the troops came up and it seemed quite a long time and they just were committed they were they were just indefinitely committed they they one guy said do you think we should pull back and he said no we made this commitment even if we lose our lives we're going to be indefinitely you know, holding on to these bridges with everything that we have. And that's the kind of in the Christian walk, that no matter what happens, no matter what we go through, you know, these, uh, like the one book says, I'm I'm going on here, you know, uh, I got that in my library, I don't know the title of it now, but these were the best of times, yet the worst of times. And in, in some ways we can look at both of that. I'm excited about what's going on now, even though in some ways I get angry with what I'm seeing because I call that the worst of times. But I think it's all, God's going to all turn it for his favor. And I'm going to be a part of that. You're going to be a part of that. Um, the other thing I wrote down that's above my desk, <clears throat> I want to ask you this question. And we're talking about something new that maybe God has for you. <clears throat> Graham Cook said this once, and I, I I wrote it down, and I refer to it. What does God want to be for me now, today? in my present circumstance that he could not be previously in my life mm. what does god want to be for me now today in my present circumstances that he could not be previously in my life what's that new thing what's that new thing that you can strive and and you know have god apprehend you for what you know, that you can be apprehended for what he wants to apprehend you for, so to speak. Or you can apprehend him for what he's trying to apprehend you for. What's that new thing? You know, I think there's, there. you know, there can always be some new things that we can strive for. So that's what I'll say. And uh, I'm going to say have a good weekend. And I'm just going to pray for us as we stop here today. Father, just take these simple words that I've said today just take them and penetrate the hearts of your people those that are here today those that will listen tomorrow and in the future lord teach us to run the race that we're called to run uh, in the way that you want us to not too fast not too slow but the way that you would have us run lord give your people courage give your people patience and stamina and build them up as they run this race lord give them hope uh, speak something new that you want to do in them today that they can begin to stretch forward towards. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining me, everyone. Thank you for joining us for another great discussion on The Kingdom Corner, hosted by Matt guybe Remember to click the subscribe button so you can be notified of each new episode as it's released. To enjoy an even deeper dive into God's Word, check out Matt's new devotional book, Searching for Significance, a devotional journey through the Book of Ecclesiastes. Learn more and even hear from Matt himself on the devotional website, SignificanceAcademy.com. As always, thank you for being a part of the Kingdom Corner.